Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to the goddamn Bricks in the Wall. I am your host, Juan, a.k.a. Truth.in.media, a.k.a. Trippy Shaman on Xbox. Come and find me. JK, I don't play that much anymore. JK, I do. Today is a weird episode. Um, when we started recording, this is after the show, guys. When we uh, started recording, an ice cream truck pulled up and um, it was just chilling here. I don't know why. And then um, right now, I try to record the intro again so it could be clean. And now my neighbor started to use his pressure washer. But I love him, so we're not going to tell him a thing. Unlike Jahan, which told a hilarious story at the end of this show. Uh, y'all should go check it out. It's near the end. I'm not going to do like Jahan. I love my neighbor. Just kidding, Jahan. I love you too. But uh, so this is just a re-recording of the intro to put you into the show where we start and there was an ice cream truck and it's a little choppy but once we get into it it's pretty good and Jehan breaks down a lot of shit in ways that I've never thought of before so check out Jehan check out his links and if you like the show share the show or comments or leave a review on Spotify if I don't get at least 50 reviews by my daughter's birthday, I'm canceling the show, and I'm leaving it. Because what's the point if we're not growing? This is kind of a cult. This is going to be a cult now. This is the cult of raising your consciousness and loving your neighbors and creating your own music and growing your own food and all of that. So if we're not growing, we're dying. So you need to share this episode, leave a review, donate something. There's a link down below to donate something. Buy me a beer, buy me a coffee. Um, and let's get this show growing because if we're not growing, then what's the point? So if y'all have by September, the middle of September, to get this show up or it's going to be by. So y'all decide. So without any further ado, let's jump into the show. Peace. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Bricks in the wall. Today I'm starting a little different. I'm not starting with the intro song. Uh, me and Jehan here are chilling. Uh, we're trying to start the podcast but the ice cream truck decided to pass right about now um again this is jehan uh we already had a conversation with him <laughs> ice cream truck uh we had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago maybe months ago jehan is a really interesting guy um he's all about mind coaching becoming a better version of yourself and last time we talked about a couple of things i listened to our old podcast that i want to touch back on and so, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to y'all, once again, Jehan Satur. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to be back on. Um, so, last time I had you on, we kind of rushed through things, and um, this ice cream truck just wants to stay here. Um, I, I talked to you yesterday, I messaged you, and I said, I wanted to talk to you about what it takes to raise a proper human being, and upon listening to our old podcast, um, you spoke about some things I noted down, um, but first, before we get into it, for those who hadn't heard that episode, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, brother, and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a accredited cognitive behavioral therapist, hypnotherapist, nutrition coach, mindfulness teacher, and my specialty is the area of subconscious self-sabotage. So it's all about learning to harness the power of your subconscious mind so that you can establish deep inner peace and operate from purpose and passion, you know, really be a driven 
fully functioning human being and um really what i can say there is that the subconscious mind is our connection to all that is you know the creative source god mm. whatever you want to call it mm, yeah. and yet it's super easy to hack and so all the information that we're carrying pretty much belongs to other sources and we inherit or download them from the media ancestry the collective consciousness or our childhood so i'm all about how do we tap into this knowledge how do we find and replace the programs which block our spiritual development and our ability to receive you know abundance true freedom all the things that matter you know i love that brother because in this kind of world that we're in i guess uh we're the others trying to help people how to elevate themselves and when you try to come to others and try to just tell them the basics, hey, work out, exercise, eat proper, to me, that's kind of trying to hit the prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking, analytical part of the brain. But I like how you put it right now. You said it all kind of stems from the subconscious. And if you can hack that, you don't have to spend so much time on thinking, planning, how to do the things that you want to do in your life. And last time we spoke, you told me how you have clients that you help through to get rid of the blockages, get out of their own way, and how to do better in their life. You kind of basically told me that you hack these patients, and sometimes they don't even know what you're doing. But I think it's very interesting, and I think would be a much more powerful way to kind of get to people this idea of self-actualization, getting rid of the blockages that are in your life that are keeping you from ascending. And, and that's beautiful. So tell me, brother, how did you get into this subconscious uh, study? Because uh, you, when we talked last time, you told me about how you grew up in Barbados, an island, basically in the middle of the ocean, and how you saw your situation and you were trying to look for a way out. And essentially you saw and found music and that this music granted you a ticket to travel, to tour, to see the world. Was there anything through that through that pass of music and through doing that, that got you into studying the subconscious or what was it that got you to study that brother? Well, long story short, um, just to refresh people, if they've heard the first episode, I started off playing gigs at 14 years old. I was uh, exceptionally tapped in to all that is when it came to musical ability and things like that i think probably it must have been a past life thing just <laughs> jokingly you know but i took to it so well that i pursued that it was the thing that brought me joy and it was the thing that i felt like um it unlocked my creative potential and i could also serve people in some way and I, that's why i decided to to choose it but i just had my own problems at home with a uh, like parents, abusive, alcoholic father, and things like that, that impacted me subconsciously that I then began to recreate the behavior that was in my environment. And far from that, this, the culture of the country is a broken culture that is pretty much built and based around promiscuity, drinking alcohol, um, trying to suppress yourself by feeling good rather than doing good in, in your life, right? And so... I was essentially just learning how to be one of them. And I, I always 
fortunately had this internal drive to not want to be one of them but the subconscious doesn't give you a choice it just emulates common behavior right mm -hmm. through music i began emulating a different culture which was that of the sex drugs and rock and roll club if you're a fan of hard rock music which i know you are like tool and mm -hmm. things like that you know it's not the best culture to be in either if you have a a, a young mind uh, or you know it's not the best culture to be in at all because look at the first four letters of the word culture you're just joining a cult and you're you're signing away who you are your spiritual self and giving that up as a trade-off to be what some other group wants you to be mm. right mm. and another thing so, to interject brother i know you like to break down words and like the word magic and all of that rock and roll I'm, I'm maybe i'm sure you're aware of the term rock and roll comes from the term of having sex you're rocking and rolling around the bed right yeah a lot of that <laughs> there's a lot of that stuff that we could talk about but you know let's not go there okay okay <laughs> let's not go there so yeah to answer your question fully um i realized that music was the thing that i was best at at the time I studied psychology in school. Unfortunately, there was an incident where my lecturer didn't come to class for like three months or something like that. And I ended up dropping the course because I just felt like I was pissing in the wind. I had no idea what was going on with any of the coursework or anything. Um, it was some kind of a drama, really. I don't need to get into that. But um, I was always interested in, in the mind and stuff like that. And through all of my struggling, I was the kind of person that was anxious to the point that I didn't trust other people. I was always afraid of what was going to happen next. Um, and then it was accompanied with depression and things like that. And I'd be depressed about feeling anxious. And I never looked at my diet. I never considered that maybe I was just surrounded by assholes. I never really could see because you can't see the picture when you're in the frame, you know? Mm. So music, I just intuitively knew I had to continue to follow that and use every opportunity that I could to try to get a way out and go see other things. Because I knew from the time I was very young that if I just followed my passion, I would eventually end up somewhere else. And that was the only thing that kept me going, you know. So when I got out of here and I got into spiritual concepts and things like that, I eventually came across the iceberg model. And um, I realized, okay, so there's something to the subconscious. So you're telling me that only 5% of my life, I'm actually consciously aware of. And it made sense to me, especially when I got into meditation and stuff like that. Uh, meditation was the one thing that broke the barriers. That's very fascinating. The thing that you just said right now, I don't know if you realized it, but that's like a, an amazing golden nugget. What you said is you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Were you aware of that? Because I think most truthers or people in this type of community, they have that ability to kind of like step back, step away from the picture and get a grand view of everything, not just be single-minded and trying to see everything out of your own eyes, but they're trying to see in a bigger aspect. Was that always part of your life? It was always a big part of my life because I was very creative from 
the time I was young, and I was exceptionally good at music and art and language and things like that. And when you're studying language and philosophy and communications and those kinds of things, you have to be an objective thinker. You have to be able to step back from the picture. And it, it's also, it's transferable, but nobody told me that when I was going to school. Nobody told me that the skills that I was learning in those different areas were transferable over to my emotions, you know? Right. So I could figure, I had to figure that out on my own. And I took the long, hard way. And just to repeat the story, I, I, I tried to commit suicide three times. And on the third time, it didn't work out. I literally said out loud, Jesus Christ, I can't even kill myself right. And when I said that out loud, I heard what I said and something shifted in me instantly. Exactly. You right? heard what you said. It's like that aspect. And I think I've found that a characteristic common within this type of community or even people that become great. They have that ability to step back or even hear themselves or see themselves within the frame and see, I don't like what's going on. I need to find an alternative pathway. Yeah, exactly. When you, when you hit rock bottom finally and you realize that you are the problem the entire time and you're willing to take responsibility for that, things will change if you allow it to change. If you can bypass your subconscious, of course, because your subconscious is going to lead you back to the familiar every single time mm -hmm. and you won't see it. Mm -hmm. It's like having blinders on. But what do you think it is, Jahan, about some people, they can hit rock bottom many times and it's like the, the switch never turns on? Well, if you pay attention to behavioral psychology, there's a, a, a hidden rule that says that negative reinforcement doesn't change anything. That's why people will negative. go after an addiction until they die from it. Negative reinforcement doesn't what? Say that again, I'm sorry. Negative reinforcement doesn't change anything. So a person can hit rock bottom and the bottom opens up and a hole opens up and they fall through the hole and they keep falling and they keep rolling down the hill and busting their head and, you know, getting caught up on a twig and their shirt rips and another hole opens up and they fall through it and they just keep going and going and going until they reach hell. And then the pits of hell open up and they fall through that and they still don't learn mm. anything because systematically throughout their life, they have picked up so many different subconscious programs, which mm. are most of the time what I found, it, they exist on such a deep level that it's nothing that they can see without significant work. And so when they step forward to try to do anything for themselves, they haven't dealt with the feelings of unworthiness and rejection and unforgiveness, resentment, and those kinds of things that will pull them very quickly back into an emotional pattern. And what happens to us a lot of the time is that we're witnessing or listening to things, music or television. And the limbic system is a recording device. It records everything that has happened in the past or everything that we perceive through our subconscious mind to have happened. So when we watch a movie, the limbic system records what happened in that movie as though we experienced it the first person right when we listen to music if you listen to the lyrics in music the majority of it is negative affirmations even things like tool and stuff where they disclose so to speak certain spiritual truths and stuff like that well you're talking to the limbic system so somebody who is 
feeling angst and they're banging their head to the tool. They only feel the thrills that they get from the music. They don't feel the the truth in the words. They don't know that there's any real meaning apart from the meaning that they personally assign to it based on their own patterns of behavior and common thinking. And their right? own dictionary. Exactly. Yeah, I so love that. It That's, doesn't, I love that because you're saying exactly people are just consuming the surface of things and they're not seeing the deep, like you said, truths that that supposedly tool throws in there and stuff. So how does one break that pattern? Because the reason I wanted to have you on today is because essentially the reason for anything and everything that I do is for my daughter. And I'm trying to set up things in a way to where she becomes of age. She can start kind of seeing these things that her dad was trying to prepare for her because she's young. I want her to have her childhood. I'm not trying to red pill a little girl. I'm trying to just prepare things so that when she comes out of age, she can see what's going on. So, And I wanted to have you on to ask you the questions or tools that you can give to a child to help them grow to be a proper self-actualized being. But right now, when you're talking about hitting rock bottom, it's actually making me think of somebody that's really close to me. And they've had a drug problem for so long. And I love them with everything that I have. And I've tried everything to help them. I've given them hundreds of, of dollars, maybe even thousands of dollars to try to help them. I've let them stay at my house. I've give, given them books, music, lectures, all these things to kind of try to get them to, to get their life in order. And it seems like they'll be on an okay path. And we talked about this last time, and I hear you talk about this on your show, so how people can be on this pattern of doing better, doing better, but then something will knock them down and they'll just have to go and start back from the beginning. I guess maybe to pose this question to you, how would you go about to rehabilitating somebody? And is it possible to do that? Because you said you, you can hack people subconsciously. Is it possible to subconsciously hack into somebody who's stuck in a drug pattern <clears throat> and get them to change? It is absolutely possible because I was that person and I had to hack myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's hear you about know, it because uh, I have somebody, like I said, really close to me who I've tried everything. I've tried the tough love approach and I tried the super love approach, and it seems I don't know. Oh I don't man, know. You, you just you just said something, and and it's kind of a synchronicity because I had to say to somebody today that blind love doesn't fix anything. Okay, it rarely does. Love doesn't actually fix anything. Love is a verb, right? Mm. It means person. there's things that you have to do. And um, it's about your intention. Realistically, what works best for someone who's dealing with addictive behavior patterns is isolation. They have to be taken out of the environment that they're currently in, whether it means being locked away in a different place or whether it means moving countries because everything in that familiar environment is going to trigger familiar subconscious programs for them and they're going to feel a familiar emotion as a response to a stimulus mm -hmm. and return to addictive patterns of behavior not everything that happens to people is because of childhood trauma sometimes we make stuff in our up in our heads because we're taking in about 80 percent of the information that we view and we make up stories because it's so much uh, input and so many bits of information that we make up our own stories based on the emotional content, whatever the limbic system perceives 
And so that fires off the subconscious programs of stress, right? If a person's living with resentment, resentment fuels addiction, rejection fuels addiction. And that person has to be put into a controlled environment where they can then be spoken to kindly, investigatively, find out over time, what are the things that have happened to you? What meanings did you assign to yourself and other people? Because it is the feeling of the statement that keeps a person locked into a limitation or a addictive pattern of behavior. It's the, it's the feeling that the limbic system feels something and it pretty much is, it's kind of like tweak from South Park. It's like, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's freaking out all the time on a mm. micro level, just like that. Mm. And so what happens is that the average person, billions of people are walking around with an abnormal response to their environment going on under the surface. But to them, it's normal. And like you said, it's, it's happening at a subsurface level. C coming back to the iceberg model, you're saying all this stuff's happening like behind the curtain and people aren't even aware of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, you'd have to, to really sit with that person and find out because there's, there's no five-step blueprint or anything to this. Mm -hmm. Every person is an individual and you have to sit with them and unpack what happened in the first place that they decided that I wasn't good enough somehow, I don't feel safe somehow, I am not lovable somehow. And a lot of people have programs that are flat out, I wish that I was dead, or I hate God, or I hate myself, and things like that. And what happens is when you remove those programs from people, because they no longer have that program, it's not compartmentalized in their thinking anymore. And they have to have different thoughts than they did before. So the best way to deal with a person who's addicted is you have to remember that they're addicted to their own thoughts the most, even more than the substance. And in some cases with addiction that I've uh, worked with, these people have had entities attached to them that were mm. informing their behavior, just leeching their behavior away from them. These entities come from the music. They come from the Masonic prayers that are put on the master records when they're about to go to be released mm -hmm. to the public yes. and they bind to, they don't. Okay. So people tend to think of it rationally where there's an entity in the room with me. So there's a physical being in the room with me that I can't see of some sort like that. But that's not how it works in the quantum field. In the subconscious, we have the energetic centers and each of them is taking in a different frequency of light and information because everything is polarized there's always good and then there's always bad the spectrum or there's always dark and light mm -hmm. in that spectrum and there are aspects of ourselves that exist in the quantum field in different planes of existence this is probably getting really technical for people to understand i love it so the entities that we get exposed to we like to think that they're always separate from us and there's some dark entity but darker aspects of ourselves that exist that are unhealed across the planes can be fired off, which can inform our personality. It doesn't always have to be some some kind of specter that's waiting in the shadows to drain our life force, right? Okay, that's really interesting yeah. because yeah, I like the, like when you start going down those routes, people want to say demons, 
and I don't know I, I don't know anything about that stuff it's good ideas I don't like to marry to any idea but I like mm -hmm. the way that you're explaining it it's much more easy to easier to understand because some cultures their their idea of demons and all of that is different but I mm -hmm. think the way that you're saying it it's it's you yourself in variable fields you said that you're pulling out yeah, essentially, there's different layers to us that extend. If I had to explain dimensions simply, if I stuck my arm like this, right here, the crease of my arm, I can see the crease of my arm right here, that's the first dimension. So you're in the first reality, and then the next one is another length about that. And Outer. it goes on like that in concentric circles. Like an so, onion. Yeah, and so when it comes to our spiritual self, we only have about one third of the soul in the body because it's so much energy that our meat suit would bust apart and it'd be like somebody flinged mincemeat on a wall, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the other aspect of us, which is typically what people in the spiritual community refer to the, as the higher self, exists in the quantum field. It exists outside of us. And so when we're doing drugs and drinking alcohol, all people in the truth community have heard already that um, it pushes your soul out and it allows for spirits to enter. That's why it's called spirits, right? Mm -hmm. Alcohol. And so the same thing is happening with any substance, even marijuana to a certain extent can push your soul out because for the most part is genetically modified strains that we're consuming. Whoa. And um, if you notice when you smoke it, it's psychoactive. So it becomes the same thing as drinking alcohol and and it's like a trickster plant as well it has its own consciousness so you're essentially consuming the consciousness of something else the same way that you would consume the consciousness of a and of cow when you eat a cheeseburger right mm. or you consume the consciousness of a head of lettuce when you eat a salad right mm -hmm. and so you're you're when you're dealing with consciousness like that you there's no telling what you're getting exposed to or what you're opening up yourself to because things are always around that are trying to get in, you know? I've had um, clients sketch these entities that they say were in the room with them whenever they got high, right? So this is how I know all these things. I kind of, that happened to me like my first couple of years of coaching and I was like, what? I've got to investigate. And so here I am almost a decade later and I'm like, I've, I've really gone through it with some strange uh, occurrences, you know? Right. Let and me ask actually, you this, Jehan. Sorry, sorry for interject. Well, Do you, well hold on. Okay. Before you ask your question, I wanted to say one thing. Look up Jerry Marzinski. Jerry. He's a Marz Jerry Marzinski. M A R Z I N S K I. He is a psychotherapist that is. He's probably the only psychotherapist that has come out. Actually, psychiatrist that has come out and talked about dealing with schizophrenia and other things and how it's entity related. Mm. Right. Right. Okay, I'm gonna check him out. Right. Um, now, that's not saying that everything to do with schizophrenia or things like that is entity related, but it's a real No, thing, right. right. Sometimes I'm driving down and I'll see like some guys listening to like some crazy rap about like murder or any of that. And once I'm in particular, I saw this one guy, he was like smoking a blunt, driving all his windows down, tattoos everywhere. And when I looked at him, we caught eye to eye. I could see there was something in him that was not him. I was like, whoa, bro, mm -hmm. this is not you. You've been taken over by, like you said, the media, whatever they're putting out these messages, they're going into the subconscious mind, opening you up, displacing who you are, opening you up to these other entities or possibilities, and they're hijacking you. And I could see it in his eyes. I was like, whoa, this is, 
I think I've heard of this guy, Jerry Marzinski, that you said. I think I heard it maybe on a podcast. He was talking about how it's usually people who are doing drugs and then all of a sudden they'll get these voices or these things to like tell them to go yes. go out and get the drug. And he gave this one yes. case in particular, which was really interesting, which got me into this whole topic, was this, he was talking about this guy who was on coke and he had ruined mostly most of his life. And one day he was just washing. He was clean. He was fine. He was doing good for a couple of months. And he was washing the dishes. And all of a sudden, he got a couple of voices in his head. And they told him, drive. And he was like, okay, what am I doing? And he got in the car. He started driving. And the voices said, turn left, go this. Basically giving him directions to this open field. And then when he walked into yes. this field, he found this bag. And it had cocaine in it. And he ruined his life again. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. So... I forgot my question yeah. was. Oh, my question basically when I try to interject, do you think it's possible to use these plants as aids to overcome traumas? To be honest with you, no. No. I would leave that for the more experienced people and okay. more advanced in their conscience that have done a, a serious amount of work. Right. Because when you give someone with the emotional security of a gnat psychedelics oh yeah it's an explosion they already they already can't <laughs> control their mental environment right. so even microdosing can set them off on, on the edge and if you notice the kinds of people that are pushing that are you're seeing these things popping up in the new york times and mm -hmm. things like that well right. that's your clue right there the new york times is trying to kill us all yeah yeah <laughs> like they, they're a part of the club a couple months ago they post new york times posted an article on how parents shouldn't play with their kids and I didn't read through it all. It was basically saying you're giving these kids too much attention. And I was like, what the fuck? But like you said, whenever the mainstream is pushing something, like now psychedelics are all of a sudden everywhere, mm -hmm. you got to stop and think. And I come to that conclusion that you do. It's good, but for people who have meditated, who, who can center themselves, who are eating properly, who can calm themselves down. Because like you said, I've been in rooms where you give psychedelics to someone who's on the hinge, and it's it's... It's disaster. This guy, he took psychedelics and he had a bad childhood, bad parents, and he he was started tripping and he he told me, Juan, I'm dying, I'm dead. I was like, What are you talking about, buddy? We're good. We're here. We're having fun. We're we're chilling. And he like pulled down his zipper and he said he opened the zipper up and he said, Look at my insides. And for a second, he like manipulated my mind and I saw all of that. I was like, no, bro, it's okay. I gave him a hug, tried to chill him out, but he, he, he couldn't. He, could, he was way beyond that part of trying to, like, talk to. And so I give the same recommendation as you do. If you even think about doing that stuff, first meditate, exercise, do the basic core things that one can do before you even start thinking about that. And even so, an experienced person can get manipulated. Yeah, keep it to the traditional route of doing things. Go to Ecuador or go to, you know, a, a tribesman or something. Everybody's calling themselves a shaman these days, and that's a dangerous thing. <laughs> okay, I'm right. going to be straight up about it. Go to a traditional um, a tribe and somewhere. I don't care if you have to go to the freaking Iboga tribe or whatever. Go like, there. It would be worth the experience because they are going to put you on the correct protocol. You have to give up so much of westernized thinking and behaving in order to prime the body for something like this. Right. And it, it, there's there's people who, as soon as they have a crisis, they run off to do plant medicine as as, as if that's really going to solve their problem. When in reality, they just needed to do some critical thinking and some self reflecting. And that is the kind of 
culture that it is breeding at this point, which is not good for our development either. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I really want to say about that for now. Um, to close the addiction thing, it is so simple to change programs because people are constantly speaking out their programs and their limitations, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of like, I think it might have been you that said this last time, it's kind of like a game of Jenga. When you start figuring out where the weakness is and you pull those blocks out, then the whole thing is going to collapse. And um, when you're dealing with addiction, it, it has to be done very, very strategically. And it takes a long time because you, you kind of have to understand that life happens in levels and we arrive in stages. And that's true for anybody, whether they're addicted or non-addicted, to, to understand that this propensity that we have to grow and be better right now and reach this ideal of ourselves in a future sense that's not realistic it's fine to have aspirations for yourself but if you try to effort and um you have to control everything and you have to try to um remove every block as fast as possible you're going to end up spiraling backwards into the familiar behaviors and you won't get anywhere there's so many people that get depressed because they're trying to change themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That makes me think of what you said. You can't even could you couldn't even kill yourself, right? And like that's the whole you a circle of just feedback loop. But I yep. guess what I'm trying to say is like this person that I, I really love. I so like you said, it takes a very systematic approach because every person is different. You need to, like you said, you need to talk to them, see what their traumas or whatever they're going through is. So I tried this with this person. I got in touch with somebody who is like a practitioner who deals with like your type of work. This was way back before I even knew this type of study uh, existed. People who, who go through your traumas, try to figure out what exactly is that thing that set you off to have these behavior patterns that you now have. So I talked to a person and then I talked to this person who I love and I said, hey, look, I got somebody who is really good at helping people with addictions. They're good at helping people just overcome blockages that are keeping them from writing or becoming better versions of themselves. Can you come and please talk to this person? Maybe we can get somewhere and, and find or discover something that's keeping, keeping you from doing what you want to do in your life. And so he agreed. He went. They talked. But this person has had their life ruined because of drugs. And so they, this person lost their family. And when the doctor started I was not in the room. The doctor explained to me this after. Uh, they told me that once they started talking about their family, it's like they shut off and they didn't want to continue talking and to the point where he stormed out. What, what would you have to say about this? Yeah, you can't deal with everything on such a rational level. Like you got the, the rational mind over here and you got the emotional mind over here. And somewhere in between that is where all the wisdom and stuff is at. But a person who is leaning towards addiction, they're in their emotional mind the majority of the time. You're, when you're speaking to them, you're just speaking to the limbic system. And a fundamental question you have to ask is that you have to, you know, it's difficult to, to really explain this concept. It's a, a law in the universe that says that everybody has free will. Everybody's a free agent. Is this person choosing this life or does this person really want to change? If a person doesn't really want to change, if they really don't want to be any better, you, you have to 
love them at a distance and let them be who they are until they have a moment where they actually come to you and say something has changed. And now I want to know the things that you were talking about. Otherwise, you're just talking at a wall, you know? Exactly. So that's why I mentioned before, you think there is a way to hack somebody who he's this person says they want to do better. They, they say it, they write it down, they, they do mantras, whatever. But it, like I said, they're, they're, the switch doesn't happen to where they don't really want to put in that conviction of like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. What do I need to do? It's like they haven't hit that point. Even though seemingly it seems like they have, they've ruined their life, they've lost their home, their family, their cars, everything. How, if you say it's possible, how can one go about to slowly maybe hacking or dropping seeds of, of, of helping someone to change? You have to get their permission. You have to get their permission every time because hacking them is manipulation and right. I can't do that. Right. Like anybody with, with integrity can't do that. That's violating a person's free yeah, will. Exactly, exactly. That's so, what the overlords do, you know? So um, it, it's real simple, actually. You know, like anybody can do the basics of this. They can put their two fingers together and they can say, okay, so here's something that's true for me. I am a man. No matter how hard I try to pull on that, I am a man is true. And my body knows that, which means my subconscious mind knows that the subconscious is inside the body. If I say I am a woman, nothing I can do is going to stop that loop from breaking. Mm, I can right. try to effort, but it's not going to happen. So if I say I am enough, that's a hard yes. And if you ask someone um, a question and they say, I am motivated by conflict, that's a program that people have. If I say, I am motivated by conflict, that's a hard no. Nothing that I can do is going to keep that solid, right? So you can use basic muscle testing with people. You can teach them how to find out what's true for them. And you can just have them close their eyes. You can tell them visualize being in a white room and it, it feels like a peaceful place. There's nothing happening. And you can tell them just say it is commanded that the program I am enough know be changed and replaced with I am enough. Yes. And when the person does that, then when you test them again, they get a yes, right? So that's that, when I say that, right? That's kind of the impact that media and music has on you as well, because you're negatively affirming these things. And you, the music and the TV put you in a heightened state of emotional, um, you know, it thrills essentially. And that's what hard codes information into the subconscious a lot of the time. So with everything being such a negative affirmation and because we emulate common behavior, it's easy to see how people would turn to things. And um, you don't know what the person was exposed to because you just told me that they got, they shut down when they started asking about their family. And I have to say that that is why psychotherapy fails more often than it works because they're so convinced that everything is as a result of childhood trauma. But what if the person just made a decision, made a pact, made a vow, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's other instances, there's other ways and questioning frameworks and stuff and routes that you would have to go down to feel out, okay, 
did this person make a vow to sabotage themselves at some point, you know? It's not really quite the language that I would use, but again, I wouldn't know that until I was with the individual. Right. You know? That's why I'm so fascinated by your podcast and the way that you've gone down this route of, you can't be so overt and you can't be so rational. Like you said, it's got to be between the rational and the emotional. And like you said, when this psychoanalyst try to attack or not attack or try to break down what the, the past trauma was, that's like, it shut, they shut that door down and they don't, you're not going to get past that no more. Like you close the door, you hit a trigger and after that you can't really come in at yeah. it through that way. And that's why I, I like the way that you talk about your podcast and how you work with your clients. It seems like you developed your own type of way to like, I don't know, help the clients see themselves within the picture. And so many people don't want to do that. They want to remain within the picture and they want to convict to, I, I chose this, I vowed to do this to my life. And even though they don't mm-hmm. actively say it, subconsciously it's in there. And I think that's why it's yeah. amazing what you do, what you do, brother. I, I haven't promoted anything, but Jehan, guys, he, he does talks with people. If you have a problem, if you're trying to ascend, become better, stop a drug, quit a habit, Go to Jehan. The dude's a wizard. He'll hack you to where you figure yourself out and just get insights that you're not going to get from people who like go to school and are programmed with these things of how to help people. And that's why I like the way that you've come about this approach, brother. You have like your own, you've carved out your own way of, I don't know how to hack people. I'm putting it in quotation marks. Yeah, they're, you know, the things that I'm saying aren't unknown by others you know i've had some great inspirations over the years and what all it really took was to understand the language of the subconscious so the language of the subconscious i actually wrote down a few things that i wanted to so i'm glad this came up i wrote down a few things that i wanted to share with people so that people understand that a lot of the language of the subconscious is i understand what it feels like to this thing i know how to be this thing I know how to do this thing. I know how to live with this thing. I know how to live without this thing, right? So I know how to live without being miserable is a possible program that a lot of people have. So if I say, I know how to live without being miserable, it's a hard yes for me. Test yourself and see if you have that program. What was the question? I am a what? I know how to live without being miserable. I know how to live without being miserable. Right. So no matter how hard you pull that, it's not going to break. So for those listening, right? Jehan, he's, it's this little thing he does. It's like a, a physical test that you can do with people. You interlock yeah. your thumb and your index finger like a circle and you put them between yeah. each other. You loop them together and you say something, but you begin by calibrating. So you say something that's true for you. I am a man. Yeah. And it's firm. And if I say, if I say my name is Jose, that's a hard no for me. If I say my name is Jahan, that's a hard yes for me. So, so when it's a no, you, it splits open and it's like it breaks the chain. So it's yep, kind of a way not, to, And there's nothing that you can do to hold it closed, no matter how hard you try. See, like that. So where you did you learn that yourself. from? Where did you learn that I learned, from? I learned that from... Um, damn, what's the guy's name? Oh, man. David Hawkins does it. Okay. But also... Um, there's a book called The Emotion Code by Bradley Nelson. He he talks all about muscle testing and things like that. 
See, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm saying that I've never heard or seen anything of that. But I'm saying there's these techniques, practices, exercises, rituals, things that humans have discovered throughout all time that can kind of like hack your mind or prime you or make you believe or like give you that strength that you need that just doesn't come from words themselves because words can be marvelous and beautiful and you can string together the most perfect sentence but it's not until you go into the physical and really pull something from like you said the limbic system that you really get to the core of something yeah and you know um the limbic system wants to recreate that which it has experienced before and we get addicted to our emotional content we love to feel things the body feels good and when we feel rejection and things like that we feel pain um the body thinks that we actually got hurt physically and it begins to release chemicals that are like opiates in the body right mm. so we are all addicts in one way or another right. You have to get really good at, at naming and shaming your emotion. When you say, I feel sad out loud, you name it and you shame it. Right. I feel sad because this thing happened and I felt this way. So it's not this person said this thing and it made me feel mm. because that's not taking responsibility for it. This makes me feel this way the emotions are generated inside of your body you have to take responsibility for it and flip it on its head when you as soon as you do that it feels different in your body to take responsibility for it so this thing happened i reacted by having this emotion and for what purpose do i need to feel this emotion now there's i'm just going to straight up teach because i'm having a uh every month uh, this year, I've been trying to do a workshop. It's called the Solutions for Emotional Stress Workshop. And it's like $55. You spend two hours with me, and I teach you all these different frameworks. But I'm going to just teach some of the stuff from that right but now. How do people get in touch if they do want to do that, Jahan? They just go to your Instagram? You can, you can Instagram me, or you can email me at selfsabotageinfo at proton.me. At proton? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put that on the notes. Yeah. So there's a process in NLP called chunking up and chunking down. Chunking up is when you have an idea and you want to make it a big picture type thing. Chunking down is when you want to break it into the smaller sections and figure out all the other things that go along with that. And you can use this technique in your thinking. So when something happens, you say, this thing happened. I felt this way. For what purpose do I feel this way? When you ask yourself that question, for what purpose? The mind begins to give you the answers as to what the reason is. What, what, what do you get? What's the reward for the behavior that I get? Mm. What do I get for thinking this thing? What do I get for doing this thing? And then you, that's chunking up. When you chunk it down, you say, and that means right mm -hmm. so you then get the meaning that you personally assigned to this thing but you can have a whole conversation with yourself inside your head by saying for what purpose and that means and you will begin to unpack all sorts of things in your head mm -hmm. that you weren't aware of before because the number one question that you need to 
flip your life around and put it under this umbrella, if you will, of how aware am I of how aware I am? Wow. How aware are you of how aware you are? Dude. Awareness is where changes begin, right? Right, right. Dude, I just so got you image. asked me. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead and say what you were saying first. No, right. I just want to say right there, you made me have that image that you said about the onion layers. How you're like stepping back, 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 seeing the whole thing. So yeah, I was looking for the question that you asked me, and it was by how do we, how do you teach children? to help them become self-sufficient adults who won't be susceptible to depression, anxiety, fear, and dishonesty. Well, you have to look at it from the four arenas, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. The limbic system, like I said before, is always having a huge reaction to everything that's going on, whether we know that we're having an abnormal reaction or not, but it dictates the thinking because when it fires off, the subconscious then begins to unpack these compartmentalized programs. And so we start having these thoughts and we think that we're independently thinking when it's really just thought processes and thought forms that are going on with the programs, you know? Mm. So I am not enough could have me thinking thoughts of unworthiness, right? Wow. When you pull, when you pull that, when you pull that general program out of a person, then they are not going to have the same critical thoughts about themselves or other people right in that same way hmm. anymore it, it, over a matter of weeks or days however it depends on how susceptible the person is to change you know how how well their neurons are firing essentially and restructuring how, how what is the health of their brain determines how quickly they can recover from that and and integrate the new changes and new ways of thinking and so a person will go about and I've dealt with people who called me up the next day and were like, I don't know whatever you did, but I don't even think the same way I did. This thing happened that always happens and I didn't have the same thoughts. And I'm like, well, good for you. See you later. Don't call me back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're like, um, wow, no, brother. No, let, let me, the way that you broke that down is very interesting because I work at a machine shop and I program machines to cut metal. And so when we do that, we have this sub program. It's called canning. So, for example, when we're going to drill a hole on a part, we'll recall this shortcut code, and it, it just lets the machine know, okay, I'm going to drill this hole. You know I have to start the hole with this, drill the hole, and then tap the hole with whatever. So it's kind of like you're shortcutting a program by a pre-programmed program, and you just put it overlaid on that program. So it just made me think of what you were saying. This happened to me. How does it make me feel, and what am I going to do? So, like, I, I just love the way that you broke it down. It's strange because that's how computers work in a sense. When you're programming a machine, you have sub-programs that run after a first program starts. And if you yeah. can go into that sub-program and change that and change how that automatically turns on and just continues, you change how everything operates off of that. Exactly. That's, it's wow. very algorithmic. So it's like, it's like computer code. If this, then. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And so when you say for what purpose, you're unpacking that aspect of yourself that's usually hidden from you mm. because we tend to relate rationality and emotionality together. And we think we're really thinking when we're just playing stuff out. We don't realize that we're not having the depth of conversation with ourselves that we could be having inside of our heads. Right. So <sighs> it, the goal is to become self-reflective. So you need to teach your kids to be self-reflective on my website. Um, 
let me actually go through my website and um, make sure that I'm not telling people garbage, <laughs> make sure it's still up and running. I actually used to have a business before this, and I took the questions that I would give to people and I put them in PDF files and I had distributed them to a lot of my clients and stuff back then. And if you scroll down, it's still there. If you scroll down to the main body of the website, you will see that I have questions for limiting beliefs and things like that on there that, um, um after the, yeah, cool. um, people, what people are saying, or is that meditation? No, that's meditation. Oh, hang on. This is jammed up a little bit. Why is it jamming up? I wonder if one of the... We're at the Jehan Satower website, guys. I'm going to put it on the links, too. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I would share my screen, but it's not loading in the first place. I'm not sure why it's not loading. Maybe my internet's having a little bit of a spasm. Hmm. But you have a series of questions which you post to the clients? Yeah, so there it is. It says, get started. It has a couple of the podcasts that I've been on. And you see, no purpose equals no progress. There's a picture of me. And you keep scrolling. What people are saying, right? It says, get started with free resources. Mm -hmm. Find your values. Six questions to self-awareness and limiting beliefs questions. Okay. So... Those three free resources can help people do a lot, especially the values one. Because typically with clients, I my very first class with a client is always about values, even if they think they know their values already. Because values are basically the rudder to the ship. They point you in the right direction. When you know your values, you're always operating from these values. And so I'm saying this because this is re relevant to the raising children part. Raise your kids knowing their values from early. Mm, right. Raise your kids with as little exposure to television as possible. You want them to be having interactive learning. You just said New York Times said it's, you, can, you shouldn't play with your kids. Well, that's messed up for a lot of reasons because children need interactive learning. Mm -hmm. The longer they stay away from the television, and stay in the land of creation in that um, hypnagogic state that they're in from one to six and they come out of around seven, they can maintain that creative state being fully tapped into their spiritual self and their creative self for a long, long time. Right. When you give them the TV, that automatically deactivates and brings them into this reality. And so uh, this is a tough subject to bring up, but for example, a large percentage, the largest percentage of people who choose the homosexual lifestyle have some underlying trauma that they experienced. It was a, a family member, a family friend, the neighbor next door, somebody they trusted, violated them sexually. But also a startling number witnessed that because it was a theme that was underlying in music or television mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's wrong because you're hijacking that person's free will you're hijacking that person's spiritual journey their ability to choose for themselves whether or not they want to be that thing live that lifestyle right right 
I brought that up because that's a relevant point that we're seeing right now. And now we see that we have people who choose the homosexual lifestyle who are against the grooming, who are against all these things like that because they're authentic in their choices. Mm -hmm. So they're not being manufactured by media and society, right? Right. And it's a big deal. So what else is getting programmed into us that's detrimental to us, that is traumatizing the limbic system? It's recording that behavior. It's recording that reaction. And then we play that out in our daily lives unknowingly. We're mimicking that, right? Mm -hmm. So when kids are exposed to that, it makes them, it breaks the psyche. When you experience a, a traumatic event, whether it's in a Disney movie and it's just embedded in the background or whatever, it hacks the brain in a particular way. It causes the medial prefrontal cortex to deactivate you go inside of a shell of yourself mm. because it's your your internal world is trying to protect you from the trauma that's happening right like and when then it, like sorry like when every parent dies in all the disney movies right and then the information can enter you into your your mind in a uninhibited way yeah. right it bypasses so, the prefrontal cortex. It just goes directly, directly into the subconscious. Right. right. Well, the TV is already doing that in, in itself. The screens are already doing that in itself. The flicker rate so, and all that. Oh, that guy just sped past here. Anyways. Um, yeah. So it's, that's deactivating the prefrontal cortex because the TV is a, a biological weapon. <laughs> Anyways. Right? It's not really for entertainment, it's for entrainment. Mm. But we have to be conscious of what our kids are taking in because there's absolutely nothing, not even baby Einstein, that's actually been proven to be good for them. It's it's quite detrimental. Right, right. Right? So um there's these enzymes and stuff and that dissolve the myelin sheaths of the brain when a child is young and they're watching the TV, and so it makes it hard for them to get a good start in life because they have just basically been turned into vegetables before they got a good cognitive start. And there's a lot of people out there that are, I don't want to use this term, but it's the truth that are just dumb. You talk to them and they don't understand what you're saying because that part of their brain didn't develop properly when they were younger, they were glued to the TV for too long. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So kids need interactive learning. They need to, to come into their spiritual self. And that's why there's so many distractions out there catered towards kids. Um, when you sexualize a kid, you break their psyche and you can put any information in there that'll make them a scared, uh, incapable, confused adult, right? Mm -hmm. Keep them away from the music because it's doing the same thing as negative affirmations. And then when they start you know, wanting to dance to the music and things like that, then they begin to sexualize themselves and sexualize other people and activate parts of their their uh, their sexual life, their 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 behaviors that are detrimental to them. And then where is that? Well, that's all coming from the subconscious level as well. So it makes them make rash decisions. It's where hookup culture and things like that mm. come into play because their morals have been degraded, their values have been degraded on that level. When you can hit people on really base levels like that, like sexuality and fear 
of being killed and fear of not being good enough and things like that, which is what we get from society at large all the time, you can stop them in their tracks, you know? School is another thing. If your child wants to go to school, make sure they understand what school is first. Because it's not a good enough um, reason to be like, oh, my friends are there. You can still have those friends, still play with them after school, still invite them over on weekends and all kinds of things like that if you want to. And mainly parents subscribe to that because they're lazy. They don't want to spend the time with their kids. They don't, you know, they want somebody to, um, my chicken just sneezed. They want somebody to kind of, take responsibility for their kids, watch their kids be at daycare and stuff like that when they're at work, right? right. That's not always the best reason for that, you know? So you got to keep your kids away from the stuff that's going to implant them with garbage because it's garbage in, garbage out. Right. And the name of the game is control of perception. So if you want a fully functioning human being, keep them in their creative expression for as long as possible. Wow. That's great. That's yeah. great and really simple. And uh, it made me think of something when we were messaging, Jahan. You mentioned, I mentioned something about how do you pull away from the awesome music that I used to love, like Pink Floyd, Tool, all that cool stuff. And you said that you don't even listen to any of that stuff. Um, can you walk us through your rationing? Because it's a good idea. I, I kind of envy you because I wish I could just unplug and just not listen to it. Tell me, the, how was that process difficult? And you say that now there's only a certain type of music that you listen to. And can you tell us about that, please? Well, I was a musician, so it was way hard for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you've seen the videos of the singing and stuff, too. Yeah. When people ask for requests and stuff like that. But I'm not doing that anymore, either. Right. It's like, yeah, fuck you. I don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> like, I, was that a hard process or was it gradual? It was. It was. It was I had to make it very gradual because I started wanting to, first of all, I changed genres because I realized that heavy metal, hard rock and stuff was a very low vibrational frequency. And as I started to raise my consciousness, I could no longer do the same things that I could do. I could no longer tap in because what would happen is that when I was on stage and stuff like that, I would feel as though something was coming in through the top of my head mm. and like just touching the top of my head. And all of a sudden I couldn't remember where I was or what I was doing, except that I knew I played exceptionally well for that performance. And then when the show was over, people would say things to me like you went off last night and then show me replays. And I would not remember doing singing or playing the way that I did. Oh, wow. It seemed unreal. Right. And um, so I started branching off and I started playing uh, like Southern rock and country music and things like that, because that allowed me to get into doing more charity stuff. Um, I would do gigs for pediatric cancer and stuff like that. So, you know, you get to whatever baby is suffering from cancer and stuff, you get to hold a baby and, you know, sing songs to them and stuff like that. And that was really nice. But I realized that all those people were asleep as well. And I needed to detach from doing that if I was going to get to where I was going. So it took me a number of years to really detach from that. Then during the pandemic, 
I had a bunch of songs and stuff that I had unfinished. And I was like, wonder if I could actually do anything with these since all my clients are deathly afraid that they're going to die by breathing the air. And I just wasn't going to get into arguments with people about it. I was like, okay, well, we can reschedule when you're not afraid to breathe anymore. And wow. um, I was just going to do something to occupy my time since I wasn't working. Uh, so I started the Instagram page and I went on to Instagram Live and I couldn't get away from it. I started talking about subconscious mind and talking the truth about things. And all these kids were listening to me and I realized I had an audience of children, basically mm. teenagers that were at home grounded in lockdown. And I was like, so basically I can never stop doing the work that I'm doing at this point. And if I'm going to be authentic, I've got to stop doing the music. And it, a lot of them were like, all you do is talk about, psycho about psychology. Why don't you just go back to doing that? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I see your point. So I stopped doing that eventually as well. And, um, it was hard, but I realized that I had to come face to face with what the reward was that I got for doing it. And I realized that feeling the thrills of the music wasn't worth what was happening. And um, I was researching it for a long time before this. So I, I understood that um, the frequencies in the music affect you negatively and so certain things like um if you put an egg in front of a speaker and crank it eventually you can boil that egg really and so that's really? what yeah that's what's happening to us when we're at a heavy metal concert mm. basically that's what's happening to us when we're blasting our music loudly it's agitating the cells on such a level that it's it's just messing with us there was a musicologist dr adam Kaniste, and he studied the side effects of um different types of music on people and basically what he said is it's a powerful drug music can poison you yeah yeah it can lift your spirits or it can make you sick without knowing why that's what he said and so it makes you wonder how many people are out there not feeling well because their cells have been agitated. When you agitate the information inside of a cell, what happens, right? If a liver cell or whatever can't um, correct itself when there's a problem with the information, then it can't replicate properly and you get a cancerous cell, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it goes to show you that all these things really do have negative effects on us. And I just figured this was messing with my consciousness too much. And um, there's lots of research as well that show that plants will grow and flourish in the presence of like classical music and stuff, but they die in the presence of every other genre. <laughs> That's crazy. That's, that's we have the same cellular makeup as plants, right? So it's not cool, man. And if you really want to be on this path where not to use the word ascend or anything like that, because nobody's, you know, nobody's going up there and nobody's <laughs> ascending and going anywhere, you know, but if you really want to develop your spiritual self, you have to take yourself away from that because the body is the thing that's under attack at all times. So, um, 
the the best expression like i said is your creative expression buy a guitar buy a piano create music mess around for yourself and have fun because you're tapping into your creative potential when you're doing that you never know who you could become in the process of that buy a drum buy a singing bowl do all these different things and entertain yourself because you're just having conversations with everything that you take in every movie every book every song is a conversation do you, do you really want to be having low level conversations or do you want to be having high level conversations because high level conversations are the key to growth mm -hmm. so you have to be listening to people like myself talk you know you have to be listening to <laughs> truth in media podcasts you have to be listening to to things that tackle philosophy and spirituality and kind of carve a path for yourself that is opposite to where the rest of the world is going because that's really the definition of ascension right. that's what the new the new earth theory is really based on as new agey as that is and as, as much of it can sound convoluted to people i just told you very simply what it is it's being off the beaten path mm. that's what ascension is mm -hmm. moving towards higher states of consciousness throughout your daily life as much as possible rather than what the collective is being forced to create on behalf of the powers that shouldn't be essentially exactly yeah so anything on tv i usually just do the opposite and like you said you're better more likely closer to ascending by doing the opposite of what the mainstream or media or everything's telling you than by do by doing just you know just do the opposite and you'll be better off more, more than likely throw away the damn tv stop trying to you know there's a lot of people out there that are like oh i want to see what they're going to tell us next and it's like, <laughs> that's me you know you don't even, you don't even need to know oh man well that sucks you don't even need to know what they're going to tell you next they've told you that's so years true. before that's so true pick up brother. 1984 <laughs> or some aldous huxley and you're set for life you got the whole playbook you know read um read or listen to the audiobook uh the tavistock institute of public relations mm. or human relations sorry and they'll tell you everything the entire playbook but right I, there jahan i was pushing back on you on this when we were messaging i was like you don't listen to music then what do you listen to man what about well right now let me ask you what about reggae or gospel or classical music no all those things are cults oh damn see brother this is why i envy you but i kind of hate you at the same time like i wish <laughs> i could be there like just be a recluse and just say no to everything but it's like damn pink floyd just sounds too good well you can't avoid everything but you have to understand that's the hypnotic effect that's the thrills that you feel inside your body mm. that you're addicted to not the music right. itself right it's not that the music is inherently good at all that's why i said replace that rather than be a consumer be a contributor right. right be a creator don't consume so get musical instruments they are easy to learn no like nobody out there is really a genius or a virtuoso apart from any other thing and they've spent plenty of time practicing but everyone can enjoy making music and feel the same sensation inside their body and actually have a better healthier impact on their brain it's kind of like when you're being blasted with music it agitates your brain but when you're creating music you're strengthening the neural pathways of the brain you can actually if you feel sad you can go and play some music and feel around on your guitar or your piano or whatever and 
while you're doing that, you can tap into your subconscious mind. You can self-reflect oh, yeah. and have realizations about yourself that you wouldn't ordinarily have had if you were listening to music and consuming a one-way conversation with somebody else mm. and negatively affirming things that they want to preach into your subconscious, right? Wow. Wow. So when you spend time by yourself, let me tell you why I don't listen to music anymore and what made it easy for me to stop years ago was that I realized that songs would start playing in my head. Mm. Now, because I understand psychology, <laughs> I know that that's not an impulse to go put on YouTube and type up that song and listen to it. That's not what that is. It's telling me, is it okay to keep this? Because this song that you're remembering is an anchor point to a memory. Something happened that you agree with the content of this song. For what purpose is this song playing in my head? Mm. And if I stop and listen to that, I realize, okay, I was listening to that song when I was driving down the highway and my friend was in the passenger seat. We were talking about this thing, this girl, whatever the case is. Why do I still need that information? Well, the answer is I don't need that information. So what am I anchored to? There's anchors and triggers. Anchor is the emotional content, the memory that you're anchored to. And the trigger is when that same thing happens again that your limbic system has recorded and it goes and you play that pattern of behavior or you start having thoughts associated with it, right? Wow, dude. So when you same thing happens when you remember scenes from a movie. It's common in our culture. We're conditioned to reference things that happened in a movie to compare to our real life experiences, Mm -hmm. except the two things don't gel because it's not the same. TV is not real life. It doesn't matter. It's on a set and not in a real life. So we are also anchored to those things and they trigger certain thought processes and certain reactions and stuff in us. Wow. Right? Dude, I always thought it was the idea that it was just a catchy song, but that way this makes way more sense. Yeah, exactly. So, Music is a powerful encoder, which is a term in psychology for something that helps determine the way that we perceive and think about the world. The subconscious mind is affected by the music and the auditory nerves, the auditory cortex, is the most predominant of all the human senses. Mm -hmm. So Stanford University actually has demonstrated that there's an area of the brain that's responsible for the thrills that we feel in the music. And so that's what makes it um, the most powerful device for creating a false sense of thrills, which is, you know, you've heard the saying TV, television, the false world creator. Music is also a false world creator because it's it's creating false aspects of yourself that really don't exist. You know, you can't be someone else. And that's why we tend to have additional conflict in our thinking because we're doing like this. It's like a metronome, but one thing isn't syncing up as well. Because over here, that's the other people's ideas about who we should be. And over here, you see those things are out of sync. So I know the, the listeners won't hear that or see that, sorry. But, you know, it's one's out of sync with the other. And that means our thinking is out of sync, which means our behavior is out of sync, which means our life is out of sync, wow. right? Wow. So when I really stopped consuming content altogether over six years ago, I realized man, I am learning so much about myself that it's going to be hard for me to go back. And I have no desire now. I'm I'm at that point where I have no desire whatsoever to know 
what the new Tool album sounds like or what the next movie is or anything right. like that. I just don't care because I know it's all garbage and it's not my life anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like food so, too. Once you leave the sugar for a while, you stop craving it. Exactly. You know, you, you come back into balance. You don't want sugar anymore. You're like, oh, I'm not going to touch that stuff because you know what it does to you. Right. That's another thing with the kids. Keep kids away from sugar. Keep them away from the cereals and all the things that kind of mess with us because we have all of these, you know, we can't even eat bread these days without calcium propionate in it. You have to make your own bread at home if you want good, clean bread. But then that leaves the question of the wheat. Where's the wheat coming from? Right. The majority of wheat is genetically modified, right? And anytime you consume genetically modified food, what's happening, it's making changes to your cells. So your cells are agitated, which means your limbic system's agitated. And your limbic system's going, oh, God, please help me all the time. But you think that you feel normal because you've become acclimated to that, mm -hmm. right? And then we have the biochemical accumulation that happens from all of the foods that you consume as a child. So then when you're my age and you get a cavity in your tooth, you think it's the false narrative. Oh, it's just from eating too much sugar, but it's the bioaccumulation that's messing with the organs, pulling calcium away from the brain and the body. And because your calcium has been depleted, your tooth begins to break down. So that's a completely different narrative to what you get from the dentist, right? Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. See, y'all guys, so, go check out Jehan. This dude's breaking everything down in ways that I've never even thought of. Right. So in nutrition is important. What we teach our children about food is important because there's going to be all kinds of external pressure to eat candy and fast food and fried garbage and Doritos and all that stuff. And the kids are the main target. If you read a book called Brandwashed by Martin Lindstrom, he tells you exactly how there's massive think tanks of people, marketing experts who get together and they figured out how to hack the subconscious to get kids to buy kids are the consumers right right that's right. who they're targeting man dude i like the way that you think and break things down how old are you i appreciate it <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be 36 in august okay wow you look young as fuck too um yeah dude because i don't eat garbage and i got good thoughts <laughs> yeah dude I, I could talk to you for hours but just to hit back really quick on the thing that you were talking about with the pendulum y'all guys couldn't see but um, what was the metronome that you were talking about? Uh, yeah, the metronome. He was doing his fingers back and forth. That society is ticking at a certain rate. A metronome is a machine that's used to time, it, uh, for, for musicians to keep time. And so it will go different rates depending on what you're playing. Right. So society's playing right. at one rhythm, and you're probably at a different rhythm, but and you trying to assimilate yourself to society, you're like throwing yourself out of whack. But I wanted to give you this idea, Jahan. I'm sure maybe you've seen that experiment where they put a couple of pendulums on a on a, a stage or something and they throw them all out of whack, but eventually they all start going the same. They all come into resonance. Yep. Right, right. And so what I was so, thinking is what if you disconnect it from the pendulum or the metronome of society and go find the others, the people like you who are trying to break shit down to eat healthy, to disconnect from the media, eventually you'll start moving at their rate. Right. So that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to offset the pendulum swing of 
the powers that shouldn't be by creating community, common unity between you and other people that think like you that are against that system. Right? Right, right, right. Common, new, say that again. Community is common. Community, common unity. Wow. Is that the real etymology of the word? I have no idea. That's but what I I've like just it. been saying for a long time. I like, I like that. That sounds really good, brother. But like I said, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, we're definitely going to do this again. Uh, there's just something about you, brother, that I don't, you, to me, it's like you figured out certain things that people are trying to say, but haven't figured out how to say it in a way where it's palpable to, our, to us dummies, you know? Right. Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, nobody is dumb. It just takes the, the path of self-realization and, and healing, which really to heal means to become whole. So w why are you trying to become whole? It insists that you are not whole, right? Mm, so you have to reclaim wow. aspects of yourself that have been subtracted from you by society, by creating and not consuming, by reflecting rather than reacting, right? Mm. When you start begin engaging in all these different things outside of you, then you're going to be led down the garden path. And I, I came from that world of needing drugs because I was so depressed or anxious that I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't know what was going to happen in my sleep, you know? And um, I didn't I didn't really want to have to deal with the emotions that I had. And eventually life put me in a position anyway and they said, stop, you have to do this. I didn't have a choice. And when I realized I didn't have a choice, there was the sense of peace that came over me because I knew that on the other side of taking responsibility would be empowerment, essentially. And it took a long time to get there and it took the willingness to be different every single day, you know? And one of the reasons, well, the main reason I can communicate these concepts so succinctly is because I live them. I don't just talk about them. Mm. Right. Right. I live them every single day and I apply them in my own life as well as teach people how to apply them in their own lives pretty much every single day, you know? I love it. Well, Jahan, let me post this last question because this is the thing that always bothers me. Like I'll be driving down home, I won't listen to music, I'll just be like thinking about gratitude, about being kind, helping others. And then someone will cut me off and I'll be like, Motherfucker, like it'll all just go away. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Are you ever like go through moments of like like cycles, do you ever go through that yourself? No, things like that don't really bother me so much because I realize at this point that most people are only concerned with one thing and that's themselves. Again, how aware are you of how aware you are? Other people aren't. Other people aren't asking themselves that question. Um, I can't control what other people do. I can't control how people drive. People drive pretty erratically and... Um, there's a lot of things that to be completely transparent with you, they shock me. They surprise me because you never know. Okay. First of all, let me say this. Your disappointments in this life come from your expectations about things. Mm. Right. So me expecting to so, be on a clear drive home and then right, somebody but, else. But do. you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You don't, you can't predict the future. You never know what someone else is going to do. And then that's when you find out that you had an expectation, mm. right? So once you get accustomed to knowing that the way that you react to those kinds of things are based on your expectation, like you're automatically operating from cognitive distortions, which are just mental filters 
that you pass information through and we have a certain set of um, cognitive distortions, like something must be wrong with me, something must be wrong with that other person. We have overgeneralizations, black and white thinking, um, all these different things that we develop in childhood and, and everybody pretty much thinks through these filters. So when you get accustomed to challenging the information that's coming through those filters, they actually lessen in strength, mm. right? So it just takes a, a amount of practice to really when something like that comes up. Okay, so what exactly could I be thinking right now about this person? What could I be expecting that I need to work on? And then it goes away, like it, your, your brain rewires itself to not mm. have that expectation anymore. And it's kind of like martial arts, but with life, you know, like when you, when you practice martial arts, you have this... Um, deep sense of inner peace and non-reactivity you're more looking to respond and redirect mm. the attack so you're not really so much a lot of people get into it because they want to beat people up because they think that's fun and i mean it is fun if you if you were like me you grew up rolling around in the dirt with people we'd fight all the time and then we'd get up and dust each other off mm. and be like all right let's go you know let's go get something to drink or whatever and um there's a lot of people that are like that, but it's not really about that. It's about learning to move with the flow of life and the energy of the other person and to not see things as attacks, but just things that are coming towards you that you need to redirect mm. and place in their correct position, right? Wow. Like Aikido is a really great example of a martial art like that. If you watch any Steven Seagal movie, which I'm sure pretty much everybody has at some point. Yeah. And you watch what he's doing. He's never really tr attacking at first. He's, he's always moving. just grabbing that person and using their energy against them right. to redirect them elsewhere. And But it appears as though it's an attack because he does it so violently. So <laughs> He does it so quickly, right, right? right? Then if he has to shoot somebody or whatever, you know, he'll do it. But life is kind of like that. If you ha you reserve your reactions your aggressive responses for when you actually have to, because that's just taking energy away from you, mm. you know? Right. And while you were talking about martial arts, I did realize that the times that that does happen when I get upset like that, it's when I haven't been working out consistently and I have that extra energy, like you said, to have like a dumb out outburst for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, you got to you gotta stay in your lane. You got to stick on your personal growth and stuff like that. And... um. What, like, what's interesting about what you said is that you're, you'll be thinking about gratitude and how to be kind to people right. and stuff like that. But you don't really need to become Ram Das either, honestly. You just need to be authentic hmm. with your thoughts and, and uh, whatever comes up. Don't push against it. Don't try to, people try to change negative thoughts by repatterning with gratitude, which doesn't work because um, – it, it pulls you into a sort of sense of being happy, but then what happens? Somebody cuts you off and you're like, oh, motherfucker, <laughs> right? So it doesn't really wow. do anything for you. It's nice to be grateful and stuff like that. It's nice to feel that, but it isn't realistic, mm -hmm. right? And so the person cutting you off in traffic is the universe trying to test you to see, oh, yeah, you think you're grateful? Wow. Let's see what your frequency really is. Let's see what your level of maturity really is. Wow. Right? Wow, thank you, brother. Now, um, if I'm being honest, um, a couple months ago, 
a guy passed by my house. Now I live on the beach and my driveway is the track to the go to go to the beach. And people pass here all the time with their dogs and stuff because they think that they're entitled to coming down my driveway. But there's no sign that says it's public access to the beach. There never has been. So the guy's passing and he's taking his cool time and he's got this big pit bull and he can't control it. And he's teasing my dogs and he stops and he starts teasing my dog. And I look outside and I said to him, hey, motherfucker, hurry up and take your fucking dog from out here. And he gets upset because he's walking with a woman, right? He want, you know, he wants to... For a lot of these guys, they, they get go and get this big pit bull and they can't control it, but it's a power trip for them. It's an ego mm. trip for them, right? And he's like, who the fuck you think you're talking to? And I step forward, I walk towards him and I say, I'm talking to you, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you talking to? You're on my property. So I have my human moments as well. But as soon as I said that, I actually, I was working outside and I, I have a bunch of, uh, I've got like, I've got about two or three machetes in every room. So every, oh, shit. You know, damn bro. What the fuck? I'm outside. <laughs> I'm outside and I'm like, really? Oh, you and had once, it in your hand? I had it in my hand because I was outside working. I was cutting some uh, tree branches and stuff up, right? He didn't see it. So all of, my, all of my machetes come in these nice straps that, you know, I can hook them over to my back and stuff or, you know, hook it onto my belt and things like that. And he wants to engage me because he's trying to impress me in front of his woman. So when I said I'm talking to you, motherfucker, who do you think you're talking to? You're on my property. He started to backtrack a little bit, and I took out my machete and I just I brandished it because he's on my property. It's my right to tell somebody you're on my property. Disrespecting me, he ran. So all the the machismo went out the window. So mm. I'm saying this to let people know that I have my moments too. Don't let spirituality and personal growth weaken you either because that's also what they want oh, that's yes. also what the powers that shouldn't be want they this is why the new age has been perpetuated and taken over so much of everything these days because it's a cult it's a part of the cult of disempowerment the cult of psychotherapy is a part of the cult of global disempowerment and they want to weaken you they want to especially men they want to take away your masculine energy right mm -hmm. and so that guy that he got all upset and stuff they walk around trying to compensate for stuff all day long i'm the man i look at my big dog i'm a man because i got a big dog right right and when they meet someone like you that you're secure in yourself the instant they see you step forward rather than take offense to what they're saying and you'd say, um, you would look him in the eye you address him correctly i'm talking to you motherfucker he wasn't expecting that. He right. was expecting the average person's response to get into a cuss out or whatever. I would do this and I would do that. But I just said what I said and I brandished my weapon and I let him know you're on my property. Right? So for the average person, they are looking to get into an altercation and things like that. And there's a massive attack on men where men no longer know how to assert themselves in a dominant fashion when the right time occurs right because i live in this house and my mother lives with me in this house right this is my childhood home that i grew up in and i moved back here to be with her because she wasn't well so my priority as a man is to protect the women the children the animals 
right? right. So I can't let the the fake woke and the, the fake spirituality that's floating around out there convince me bullshit about divine masculine, all this shit. Mm. That's really an attempt to weaken you. Right. You ha- when you grow in maturity and strength of character, you lose all of those egotistical needs to want to uh, assert yourself in unhealthy ways so that right. when conflict does occur and you don't have those programs and stuff like that, you can confidently assert yourself in a very Clint Eastwood-like fashion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. might have to shoot at somebody. You, you never know. Because <laughs> right. the world that we're living in right now does not accommodate for the um, the love and light mentality. We're in transition to get to this phase where there's going to be less aggression and, and, and less hatred and things like that. But it, times are tough, you know? Like, they're always telling you 2030, Agenda 2030 or whatever. They have these plans to complicate your life set out. So it's about walking a thin line between I love you and I'm going to kill you. Right. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, balance. It's a balance. <laughs> right? And so when something happens, don't ever discredit your emotions. Why did you get upset because the guy cut you off? Was it that you weren't paying attention? Be honest, you know? what? When we self-reflect and we're reflective on all the little things that happen and we, we're constantly having these micro moments of learning every single day, we put ourselves in a better position to, for a mature tomorrow if we get one. That's where the gratitude comes in because we don't know if we'll get tomorrow, right? Right. Well, if we can honestly close our eyes at night and say, I did the best that I could today and I felt all the emotions that I had and I figured out what was behind them. You grew. Maybe you'll get another tomorrow. Tomorrow will be much better, you know? And who knows what will come up tomorrow. Well, we get trained in the personal development thing to think that we have to be this perfect, this ideal thing, or we're going to get to some ideal point in our lives. And it's going to be so amazing. But what is life but just a series of now moments that we have to do the best mm. in this moment that right. we can, right? Right. I guess that's what I was trying to get to. I just wanted to verify that you're human, brother. Yeah, I am human. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I see that there's people who know who preach this good gospel of love and light, and but everybody gets upset at some point. You, I'm sure everyone hits mm-hmm. a low point where you got to, like you said, take a step back and see why you're reacting the way that you're reacting, and try to operate from a, a higher understanding of everything. Yeah, because like you know, that same example, I wasn't like angry angry like going off and you know on an anger tangent i was able to reflect and say okay he wants to start something he's looking for trouble how do i de-escalate if i can't de-escalate what am i prepared to do right 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 yeah yeah, well, brother, uh, I said this was going to be a short one, but uh, I could talk to you for hours for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put your links, all the stuff below, guys. Go talk to this guy. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk to the guy I was talking to, and I'm going to see if we can arrange something because you do client work. And I'm going to see if he's willing to do this, and I'll I'll play your, your program, whatever. I'll try to put him through, see if it does something. But We'll see. I'm, um, I'm willing to give anybody a shot. You know, Nobody should be turned away because... When I needed help, nobody was there. Nobody knew any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, well, all you guys, thank you for listening. Please check out Jehan, his Instagram, his website. 
Um, you don't even talk, you don't like promoting your old music, huh? That you used to play. No, I I'm not gonna do that. Like okay. that just yeah. that just doesn't seem right, right. Ethical at this point with I my chosen it. values. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, guys, thank you for listening. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys, that was my talk with Jehan. Man, I love that dude. Before we started, I told him I only had like 45 minutes because I was going to take my daughter to the park. But uh, she's going to have to wait because that conversation was a little too hot. And um, so we went to the park. We played. We Don't worry about it, guys. We had our fun. But uh, <clears throat> the thing that kept coming up on, on this show as I came up for a song to end with was that Jehan kept bringing up the idea of stop consuming culture. And it reminded me of this quote. Uh, synchronistically, which I posted several times this week on my Instagram, truth.in.media, I posted this um, excerpt which Terrence McKenna gave at a lecture, which is basically the idea of stop consuming culture and create your own roadshow. Do your own. Stop consuming media. Stop reading magazines. Don't even listen to NPR. Do your own thing. And like Jahan said, buy your own guitar. Buy your own violin. Do your own shit. And then that, something will come forth, hopefully, that other people can connect and vibe with. So it's going to be this excerpt. Um, my favorite version is the one on YouTube. And you can find it by searching Terrence McKenna, The Message. I'm going ahead and skip about six minutes in because the beginning does promote a lot of psychedelics. And I think I'm coming around. Hold on, helicopter. You're spying on me. I'm coming around to the idea, just like Jehan, that psychedelics can be good, but you have to be very careful with them. You have to actually go to a shaman, actually do the things required which they ask. The shamans say that you have to have a certain dieta, which is a diet. You can't be eating dairy. You can't be eating sugar. I think they also said no meat. I'm not sure. You have to abstain from sex. So there's many things that go with doing psychedelics, which, which is not just popping a fucking eighth on a Saturday night and looking at cool lights and music. It's actually a lifestyle. So I'm going ahead and skip that. From now on, I'm not going to really be promoting psychedelics, sadly. Yes, they did help me around a lot in my life, but with the world as volatile as it is, I don't think it's a good idea to go around and telling people maybe at Ohio near that train derailment to take some mushrooms. I just don't think that'll be very beneficial. They'll probably start imagining that they're mutating or something. I don't know. But to end, it's going to be Terrence McKenna, The Message, which just means create your own roadshow. Uh, remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. And what's really important is, I call it presence of direct experience, which is a fancy term which just simply means we have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Don't watch TV. Don't read magazines. Don't even listen to NPR. Create your own roadshow. The, the, the nexus of space and time where you are now is the most immediate 
sector of your universe. And if you're worrying about Michael Jackson or Bill Clinton or somebody else, then you are disempowered. You're giving it all away to icons. Icons which are maintained by an electronic media, so that you know you you want to dress like X or have lips like Y or something. This is this is shit brained. This kind of thinking that is all cultural diversion. And what is real is you and your friends and your uh, associations, your highs, your orgasms, your your plans, your fears, and we're, we're told, no, we're unimportant, we're peripheral, get a degree, get a job, get a this, get a that, and then you're a player, you don't even want to play in that game, you want to reclaim your mind, and get it out of the hands of the cultural engineers who want to turn you into a half-baked moron, consuming all this that's being manufactured out of the bones of a dying world. Where is that at? Yeah, over here. Peace.